inside Oh, there's a better life Yeah, there's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom Or saving He's a prison shaking savior If you got chains Well, he's a chain breaker
song for you. So we're going to sing it. I was walking away and just uh, enjoying hearing you guys sing. Let's, let's do this next song. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song 
of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God Mother's womb, you have chosen me Love has called my name I've been born again into your family Your blood flows through my veins child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. you close your eyes just for a moment and I want you to claim that promise I am no longer a slave to fear believe that you are a child of God so I want you to sing that with us and sing it with conviction and truth I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God sing it out I'm no longer I'm no
a child of God. I am a child of God. It's hard not to get excited after hearing that, amen? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we can clap for that. Come on, it's all right. We can clap. There's nothing wrong with getting rowdy in God's house. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, you know, one of the things that I grew up hearing from my mom is, you know, we'd have these moments of just craziness. And I remember one thing very clearly she would tell me. She would tell me, she said, hey, Luke, when we have these moments of chaos, these moments of craziness, it's so important to step back and remind yourself of what's true. And we live in a chaotic world. Maybe that's what you're facing right now. It's just chaos, and coming here is just trying to just get a break from the chaos. And so let's remind yourself of what is true. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And maybe for some of you, that's the first time you've ever heard that. And we're excited about you being here. We're excited about what God's going to teach us through his word this morning. Um, I appreciate if you pass the friendship folders at this point and let us know you're here. And uh, we're just really excited about what God's doing in this church. And the reason why we're excited is because there's movement all over the place, and sometimes we don't see that. And I want to share with you that I was walking downstairs this morning, uh, and I connected with one of the... Um, the preschool rooms, and with joy in their faces, they said that we had a child who accepted Christ at the 9.30 hour. Can we praise God for that? Isn't that awesome? And so it's about, and that's what we're about here at Crossroads, is about bringing people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. At the end of the day, no matter what way you look at what we do, we are trying to encourage people and push people and challenge people and bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about here. Um, I want to highlight something really cool we have coming up on March 24th is our Extreme Egg Hunt Challenge. This is going to be a, a slightly different spin um, than what we did last year. Last year was the helicopter was kind of the, the sticky cool factor. This year, what we're going to be doing is kind of having obstacle courses. And how many of you have seen American Ninja Warrior and, and seen those people fling and slide and you know swing from all different kinds of... Crazy places, some, you know, better than others. Um, we're just really excited about this and just knowing that this is going to be a way that we're going to reach our community, and God uses these really cool opportunities. So March 24th, mark it, circle it, highlight it, and more details to come. We're really excited about that. We're also really excited about something that Ken's going to come share with us right now. So we're thanking God for all that's happening in the church. You know, it's, it's been a fantastic uh, journey, what God is doing. We're just watching him bless if you look in your bulletin, you'll see there's a, an article that was in the Valley Independent uh, that is about the Rinsel family, Laura, and her children. I believe that's your, this little uh, Lillian on the front page there, right? She goes up and she visits the nursing homes. And, uh, you know, uh, she doesn't do that because she has any family members there. She just does it because she has a heart of compassion. And I just, when I read that, I said, this is the mission of the church. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be in the community and love and care for people. And so can we give the Rensels a hand for that? I just want to thank God for that, man. It's awesome. And... Uh, and when the, when the local papers pick up on it, you know something's good's happening, you know? Uh, she didn't call the paper and said, hey, take a picture of my kid at the nursing home. You keep going for two, three years, and then all of a sudden, the, somebody notices, hey, you don't have a relative here, and you're caring for these people. So I, I want to encourage you. That, that, that's just super, and we appreciate you, Laura, and your family, what God is doing there. And, uh, you know, our people are out doing cool things, man. I saw Laura McCowan was on the... Uh, 
on, on the news. She's been on there twice recently. She's, uh, she's helping people. She's a nurse, and I saw on, on uh, it was KDK did an article on her. So we're just thanking God for all that he's doing. Uh, I want to share with you an announcement here this morning uh, in our worship ministry. We have, uh, we have this exciting opportunity. As you know, my wife, Rhonda, has been leading worship for like 15 or something years like that. And uh, she's done a fantastic job. Can we give her a hand? Thank you, Rhonda. All right. And, uh, and, and as well, our praise band is just incredible. I, I'm thrilled about our praise band here. So... Um, but, but the next leg of the journey, we've been looking for about a year and a half, and we've been praying and asking God to lead us to a, to a worship pastor that would come on and add on to our team and alleviate, uh, alleviate that for Rhonda and be able to develop and take us to the next level with our music and all that. These guys are fantastic, and we're going to open up and see more and more people get involved. And, and you know, it's, it's nice for these guys to have a break every now and then. Right now, I mean, my brother here, he likes to go camping in the summer. And, uh, and every now and then we're like, well, okay, you can go camping, but you know it'll be quiet without you in church, you know? So uh, we're, we're, we're excited that we're going to be able to develop and see more and more people get involved in our, in our worship ministry. But uh, we, our, our worship pastor will be joining us in March, so you'll get to meet him next weekend. And then the following weekend, he'll start to get to be involved with our band. But his name is Zach Amy and his wife, Ellen. Great people. Um, we're, we're just thanking God for them. So I want you just to put, a, put, put down to pray for him, Zach, Amy, and uh, just, just pray as, uh, as we navigate this. But it's going to be good. And, uh, and my wife, she'll, she'll be fine. She's excited about this. She's been talking. She has actually been the one who's been driving this and pushing this and saying, look, I need help. I need, we, need, we need to go uh, and bring in a worship pastor. So we're th- thrilled at what God is going to do. So it's exciting times. Isn't it exciting to see our church grow? God's just growing us, and, and new, new things are happening all the time. And uh, it's, you are committed to the mission. And I just want to thank you for that. And I want to I I encourage you to keep praying uh, for, for all the, the needs of the church and keep giving. Watch what God does. And, and we just are watching him bless. It's just like, wow, there's new disciples everywhere. Um, and, and I'm just thrilled. I see more and more people serving. More uh, new people are jumping on board and saying, hey, all right, I've been here a while and I'm serving. We had a, uh, uh, a members meeting last week, Next Step, our new members. There's like 16 people ready to say, man, I'm joining the church. So in a few weeks, we're going to have a celebration of that. Uh, many of you signed up to get baptized. We're working right now to get all the dates figured out for baptisms. I think there's like 10 or 12 people who can get baptized. Can we give God a hand for that? That's just awesome, man, you know? As a, as a pastor, this is what we dream about. We lay awake at night thinking about people coming to Jesus. And what is cool is you're laying awake at night thinking about it. God's doing great things in your life, and you're, you're on board with what God has called us to do. So we, we say thank you, and we, we ask you to bless his name. As, at this time, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive the morning offering. And our giving verse this morning is uh, Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. So as we come together this morning and we give to the Lord, we're honoring him. We're just saying, God, this, this belongs to you. And, and I'm not waiting until I, if I have anything left over at the end of the month, I'm giving you of the top. 
because it belongs to you. And so this morning as we do that, that was written in a, uh, the society, it was an agricultural society, so they brought in their crops. So I ask you, please don't bring in your tomatoes in the summer, okay? But uh, we, as we give to the Lord, we are giving of the, of the top of what he's given to us, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you and we, we bless your name. You are an awesome God. You are so worthy to be praised. God, I thank you for what I've seen you do in this church. Uh, you've never left us, and we're so excited about the future. We're excited about reaching a generation for Jesus Christ, that this church will be here long after we're gone. We're, after we're gone, we pray, Lord, to, to, to bring the next generation to Jesus Christ. God, thank you that you've given us today, and we're to reach the people in our communities and in our neighborhoods, and we're watching it happen. You are, you're growing your family here, Lord, by your people reaching out, by being friendly, by inviting, by praying. So, Lord, I just ask your, your blessing upon us now as we give to you and we bless your holy name. In your name we pray. Amen. Say 
this next part. Thank you for the way that you love us, how you love us. Thank you for the way that you love us, how you love us. Thank you for the way that you love us, how you love us. Thank you for the way that you love us, Jesus, faithful King. Lord, with grateful hearts we been on a journey of the last words of Jesus. Last words of uh, the final words as he's on the six hours, last six hours before he dies on the cross. And so here he is on the cross and we see there are seven statements that he gives. And we started out just a few weeks ago with statement number one. He talks up first. He goes up to God first. And I think it's interesting because he's, he's had this journey of, uh, he's, he's been beat uh, they flogged him. They took the, the, the cat of nine towels and they flogged him. And so when you, you think of the cat of nine towels, it's a whip and has all these bones and pieces in it. And so when, it, when, it's, when they're whipping him, it's like grabbing into the skin and it's tearing off. And so you take that times 39 times. There's nine, nine things on there times 39. There's hundreds of flesh wounds, just literally hundreds of flesh wounds. And he carries his own cross and he gets down, and they nail him to the cross. And the scripture says he was beaten beyond recognition. And so he's, he's up on the cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. And the first thing he does is he talks to the Father. And he talks to the Father on your behalf, on my behalf. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. 
I, the, the people that were immediately there, the, the, those people that were actually, that were hitting him and, and mocking and, and hurling insults at him, he prays, Father, forgive them. Forgive the people who nailed these hands to this cross. They don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive the thieves. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive this crowd. And I believe by extension for you and I, Father, forgive us. For we're the ones who put him on the cross. It was our sin that took Jesus to the cross. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning to, uh, to have the heart of God. He first looks up to, to, to the Father, and his first words are, Father, forgive them. And then he looks to the side. His next words are to the side as one of the criminals on the cross. He, he tells him, I assure you, I assure you, he gives him assurance, today you will be with me in paradise. You will get to go to heaven. He gives him assurance of his salvation. Um, I want to encourage you, if you miss that, go online and watch that. Please go online, watch that, and take that in, and, and, and just grab it. I want you to have the foundation so you know for certain that you are a follower of Christ, that you have Jesus in your life, and that one day you will enter into his presence. Uh, that, that is the very message that drives us. The criminal couldn't get off the cross. The criminal couldn't change his life, and God gave him eternal life, and he does the same for you and I. Today, we're going to look at the third, the third word, and the third word is, uh, is given to a few people that are standing at the foot of the cross. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 19. We're going to begin in verse 25. It will also be on the screen. John 19, 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and it tells us about four people that are there. His mother and his mother's sister, four women here. Um, his mother's sister was Salome, that would be known as John's mother, so as we look at that we see John's mother, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So we, we see all these, mother, uh, all these Marys are hanging there, but in particular I've noticed today is Mary's, uh, his, Jesus' mother, Mary. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, so here were four women plus now uh, John, and John is standing there. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And at first glance, you look at it and you say, wow, this isn't too powerful of a word. I mean, you go from today, you'll be with me in paradise to woman, behold your son. And uh, it's really big because what's happening here is she is seeing her son now as the Savior. She knew about it all along. If you go back and you read the, the Magnificent that she wrote, this prayer that she wrote to God, she says, my soul hum is humbled. My soul is glorifying my God and my Savior. And so she realized her need of a Savior. And Jesus reminds her here. He says, woman, behold your son. And so at this moment, she, she is seeing him as a Savior because he takes it a step further. Verse 27, then he said to the disciple, that's John, John was an eyewitness of the life of Jesus. If you go through and you read the book of John, there's 21 chapters. I encourage you. You can do it before Easter. You got 21 days. You can do the book of John. And uh, you will see an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. So here he is. He says, and he says to the disciple, John writes himself in. When you see in, in John's writing, the disciple or the beloved disciple, that's how he, you're knowing this is, this is John. Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And so what is happening here is there's a really powerful word. And in, in, in as I've done some reading, some scholars say, well, this is a word of affection. We can see a lot of affection here for his family. Um, there's a, a, a word of relationship. 
And I'll sum, summarize it up this morning with this word. It's a word of love. And we see this connection to human relationships because human relationships are so important. As Jesus was, uh, was departing and he's coming down, he's dying on the cross, he's soon to pay for the sin of mankind in just a few hours. As he's coming down to the end, we see human relationships are extremely important. And he starts out with a family. So the last word we'll call it is love here. The, to this morning we're going to look at love and, it's, and, and there's a few ways that he shows love. From this word, woman, behold your son, son. Behold your mother. From this, we can see there's a powerful word that he's given us, and it's about your family. First of all, if, if you could love like Jesus, think about that. If you could love like Jesus, it would be transforming because Jesus, his love, transformed people, right? And I want to share with you that you can love like Jesus through his power. You can't do it by turning over a new leaf. You can't do it by trying harder. But you can when you come and submit to the, to the Lord and you come before Jesus and you say, all right, I want what you did there on that cross. I want that type of love in my life and I'm going to surrender and I'm going to let you love me first and then I will love others. We see a huge thing. First of all, he loved in his family. He loved in his family. Um, in, in your family, do you realize that love must start at home? If I say that I love the world, I go over and feed orphans in Ecuador, but I don't love my own family, I don't love my wife, and I don't love my kids, there's something wrong. And so love has to start at home. And Jesus modeled this here by, by calling on care for his own family. You see, love, love is not a feeling, folks. It's a verb. Uh, some of you, uh, you know, you're, you're out a little bit of cash because Valentine's Day was 10 days ago, Right? You, uh, you, ha you, you, you got some really nice roses. You got some really nice dinner. You know, it's been a while since you had a steak that tastes that good, right? And you're like, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, we'll do that again next year, right? And it's like you, you put out that money because love, why? Because you care for your family. But love is a lot more than a dinner and roses. Love is a lot more than some feeling. It's a choice. It's something that you do. You choose to do this. It's an action, and so we have to start at home. Love must start at home. And, and, and how do you do that? How do I love my family? How do I actually love my family? First of all, I do it by paying attention. I have to pay attention. You know, it, it's so easy to be present and not pay attention. It's easy to be there and not pay attention. Uh, we, we have all of our technology, and we, you can look at the whole world, what they're doing all day long, right? Uh, the past few days, I've had really a lot of fun. I have walked out of the door without my phone. I tell you, I feel like I'm a new man. I, I feel like it's so cool because I don't have to know what everybody's having for dinner on Facebook. You know, it's so cool. Uh, I, I don't have to, uh, people aren't reaching me constantly. And it was like, man, I, I had two whole days and people were like, are you okay? We couldn't get a hold of you. I was like, yeah, it's kind of cool. I'll see you at three o'clock, you know? And, uh, and you know, I'll answer those emails. I'll get to all that later. But it's so easy for us to be consumed with being somewhere else. You see, I can show up, but I can be absent. Uh, to pay attention is to be present, to be involved in the relationship, to communicate, to actually see that, okay, I'm sitting here and talking to you. I'm not ignoring you and thinking about the next place to go. Because what happens is you get to the next place and then you're thinking about the next place. And, and, and when we have this big emptiness that happens. Here was Jesus. The crowd is jeering at him. 
the, the crowd has, has, uh, has just been brutal on him. And here are a few women that are standing at the foot of the cross, and in particular his mother. And Jesus comes and he validates them. Do you know in a culture like this, uh, the, the soldiers, they, they didn't really care that there were a few women there because in that culture there was no, no value on women. They devalued women. And, uh, and so when there was just a few women there, they weren't threatened by that. It's just like, ah, oh, there's a few crying women, and that was it. They devalued. So when Jesus looks off the cross and he looks at his own mother and he sees these four women there, he validates women. He, he shows the value to women. Uh, imagine in, in that culture, the, the fact that we even haven't recorded that he talked to a woman from the cross. Uh, in that culture, this was like, no, you're not going to talk to a woman, not in public, and that whole, that whole issue there. So Jesus comes and he, give, he talks to these women, particularly his mother, and he value, va- validates her. He gives her value. And I want you to understand that, that Jesus always gave value to women. He gave value to all human life. This morning as, uh, as you look there and you think about how to pay attention, Exodus twenty twelve says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God is giving you. Now here was John, he's standing there and so he gets, he gets the responsibility to care for, for Jesus' mother. Um, he paid attention. Jesus is paying attention. He didn't have to do that. In his dying moments, he's paying the sin of the world. This is the biggest event. This wasn't just any crucifixion. He's paying the sin of every human that will ever live and that ever lived before. He's paying the sin, and yet in that moment, his mother is still important to him. Wow. This speaks volumes of the importance of family relationships. Jesus always raised in the status of women, always honored his mother. Uh, Exodus twenty twelve says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God has given you. It doesn't say, honor your parents for what they've done. Some of you may say this morning, how do I honor my parents whenever dot, 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 Right? And you can look back and you see there were some really bad times as a kid or really bad times as your, your young adult life. And you, you have all these, a lot of pain there. He doesn't, the scripture doesn't say honor your father and mother because of their parenting skills. Many people are parents that have no parenting skills. I was one of those, okay? Uh, you know, uh, you take home a baby from the hospital. There was no instructions with that thing, you know? You, you bring this child home, you're like, what am I going to do now, okay? Uh, and I'm not saying we were bad parents. I'm saying we just didn't know what we were doing. And I don't think any parents know. You come home and it's like you learn, you grow in this area, right? Well, Jesus, uh, the, the scripture here is telling us from the book of Exodus to honor your father and mother because, listen, if, God, if they weren't there, you wouldn't be here. Do you understand that? God used your mother and your father to make you your mother and father came together so that you could be here so that you could have that receding hairline it's wonderful okay so that you can have that you can be the person you that god wanted you he made you so he has honor for life 
Um, I've watched many people as they're caring for, for aging parents, and they still honor their parents. And that, this is powerful that we would honor our parents. The second way we do it is by meeting needs. You know, we're, as, as a parent, I, I have to meet needs. And so I come before, you know, here's my children when they're little. You meet the needs of your children, and you care for them. You, you pray for them. You, you provide for them. But as, uh, as, as we get older, we have to provide for our parents at times. We have to meet practical needs for our parents. Here was Jesus on the cross, and it's, it's like his last will and testament. And he's looking over at his mother, and he says, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. Those are tender words. They really are. I've been by with many people as they are approaching the end of life, and that's the biggest concern is, what about my husband? What about my wife? What about my kids? What about my grandkids? And Jesus takes care of that on the cross. And he says, what about my mother? And he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And he gives him his best friend. You know, Jesus didn't even have a house. He never built a building. Uh, he didn't write a book. I mean, we have the Bible, but he didn't, it wasn't like, you know, here was this book that was written and he sold books and all that, right? Um, we had, here he was, he had nothing, but he gave him his friend. And so he provides for him. First Timothy 5, check out what, what Paul told young Timothy. Uh, this, is, this is in reference to the church. He says, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. So no one else to care for, the church has to pick up and take care of that, right? Verse 4, but if she has children or grandchildren, then their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. Now I'm going to be sending this to my kids and I want them to memorize that verse, okay? Um, I think it's highly important. But as I age, I look at my parents, I look at my in-laws, and I realize that my responsibility is to make sure that my father-in-law gets to the hospital, that he gets to his doctor's appointments, that we love him, that we go to Shorty's and have a hot dog with him. If you know anything about Shorty's restaurant out in Washington, that's his favorite place. I'm like, come on, let's go to the Olive Garden. He's like, nah, let's go to Shorty's. I'm like, and get a cold hot dog. I'll be there with you, right? But you know what? I do it for him. We go for him because we love him. And that's our show of love now. We take him to Shorty's. And we go and we start to do things. And the other day I spent the whole day in Pittsburgh taking him to the doctors. And, and you know, from, uh, from where they live down to Washington, that's like, you know, the Clampets going into Hollywood, you know. It's like, wow, we went down to Pittsburgh, you know. And uh, for me, it's like Pittsburgh, yeah. You know, I go there all the time. And, and so that's what you do. You care for them. And so, uh, you know, at my mother, I was over at my mother's house yesterday. I told her that we'll, we'll take care of something. And, you know, she, she saw something that needed done. She goes, oh, by the way, who do I call for that? I was like, you're looking at him, Mom. And she looks at me, she goes, but you're a pastor. I was like, it's okay. I can do this. And uh, she goes, she, was, she wasn't like, because you're a pastor, you can't do it. She goes, because I don't think you can fix it, you know. And, and I was like, Mom, I guess my track record precedes me. She wants me to keep studying or something, you know. I'm like, Mom, I'll take care of this for you. This, and, and look what the Scripture says here. This is what is good and acceptable before God. This is something that pleases God. And this is what he wants you to do. Sometimes we struggle. We want to know what God wants us to do. There it is. We take care of our family. 
We take care of our children. And I was thinking about this. When we take care of our children, when our kids are little, we know that that's what we're supposed to do. It's so natural. And our kids at that point learn about the love of God. And then life gets going and your kids grow. And then pretty soon you have to turn around and you have to take care of your parents. And you know what happens then? You learn about the love of God. Because it's then that you learn how to love somebody without a condition. You see, when your kids are little and you're changing diapers, you know there's a future. You know there's great things happening for this child. You, you know that uh, you're, you're investing. And then as you, as you help an aging person, you, you help your parents and you love them and you listen to them. Maybe some of you are listening to their stories that are, maybe they're dealing with some Alzheimer's and dementia and they say the same thing about every five minutes. That's really the love of God, folks. When you can hear the same thing for every other minute. Oh, what day is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it Sunday yet? We're going to church yet? Are we going to church? We're going to church yet? And you love and you love and you love. You know what that is? You're, you're God's stretching you and you're growing in the love of God. And it's painful and it's hard and you're, you're overwhelmed at times. But this is what the verse says. This is what we do. We take care of them. 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He says, look, if you're following God, this is what you do. You take care of those in your family. You take care of your wife. You take care of your kids. You take care of your mother, your father. Take care of your in-laws. It's a powerful verse. He, um, you know, he says here that you've denied the faith. You're, you're worse than somebody who never believed. I've watched people, I've seen many people through the years around the church here that have modeled for me the proper way to do that. And I, and I watched them in pain. I watched them struggling. And it's like, wow, they have stepped up to the plate and they are caring. And I have watched them through that process. There, for some of them, it was many years. And as they went through that process, boy, their life changed. And all of a sudden, they, were, they, they, they became more like Jesus because they did what God told them to do. And you know, it's the, you, you want to run from that stuff. We, we want to run because it's not fun. It cramps my style. I got to stop. And you know what? At the end of the day, you're meeting some of their very practical needs. And so I go over and I try to be handyman at my mom's house. I try to fix things. I try to take care of that, you know. I, I try to shovel the snow. She beats me to it most of the time. I'm humiliated when that happens, you know? And it's like, it's like, don't worry, Mom, I don't shovel my walk, but I'll shovel yours, you know? It's like, I, 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 you want to reach out, you want to care. Uh, the, how else do we do this? We, we do it by giving emotional support. We give emotional support. This was such a tender scene. Here's Jesus at the cross. And here's John, and here's Mary, and they're overwhelmed with grief. Could, can you imagine your son on the cross? Can you imagine this was your son that, that, that you changed his diapers? This was your son that you taught him how to walk. This was your son that you, 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 were, you were cheering when he said, Mama, Dada, you got so excited. And now you see him up on the cross. And Mary, all along, she knew that this was the Messiah. From day one, she praised this prayer, the Magnificent. And uh, again, it's a powerful prayer where she realized her need of a Savior. And she says, oh, I lift up my God. And then as it gets going, she goes for a baby dedication. Uh, she, took her, 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 she took the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And, and look, what it, look what happens here. Luke 2, 2 33 and 
through 35. Um, it's an interesting situation. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Uh, he, Simeon had went through and given all these scriptures and, and like lifted up like this is, this is the Messiah. I, I, can, I can retire now because God has fulfilled his promise to me that I would see this. I never thought it would happen and I'm actually seeing this. And then Simeon blessed them, verse 34, and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. I, I wonder if when she was standing at the cross, she started to remember what Simeon said. As she's standing at the cross, does she remember, oh, that's what he meant. She remembers a time that, uh, that he was, he was uh, going to be thrown off of a cliff over in Luke 4. There was a time that, uh, that, that the people were rallying to take Jesus and to throw him off the edge of a cliff. And now she's seeing his, his troubled ministry. She's seeing how the people were always at him. They were always persecuting him. The, uh, the, uh, the, you know, there was a big following that loved him, but you had the, these Pharisees that were always mad at him. And then you see that they finally got their way and they took him all the way to the cross. Jesus is standing there with nail pierced hands and Mary is standing at the foot of the cross with a, with a pierced heart. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in the time of need. In other words, families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Families stick together. You know, and that's what we do. We, we show up, we stand up, and we hold up. We show up, we're there, we stand up for our kids, and we hold them up. And, and I want to encourage you, are you there when your kids are being crucified? You know, when, when your kids are going through hard times, and, and maybe they're even walking away from God, are you there for them? Let's come and let's be there for our kids when they're 12, when they're 20, when they're 30, when they're 40, when they're 50. Let's be there for our kids. Show up, stand up, and hold up. Let's, let's hold them up because they face times that they need to know are unconditional love. And when I show unconditional love to a child or to a parent, to my wife, when you show unconditional love that is not based upon your action, that is the love of God and you can have a radical transforming event in that child's life. doesn't mean that we don't confront. It doesn't mean that we don't say, hey, this is not in your best interest. Because uh, as a parent, that's not love. See, love does not hide the, the truth. But love is very particular in loving and caring and saying, look, even if you don't follow Jesus, I got your back. I got your back. That's what God did for us. Uh, look, look what uh, Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. I, I fall short on that. I really do. I try to do my best. But at the end of the day, um, you know, do I love like Jesus loved? Do I love with that sacrificial type of love? Uh, how did he do it, man? He, he did it not thinking about himself. And so, so many times we come, and I, I've, I've come to this conclusion. The more that I love Jesus, the more I'll love my wife. The more that I love Jesus, the more I'll love my wife. 
I fall in love with him and I catch his love because he first loved me. I, I, I'm not in love with him because I did something so special. John said we love him because he first loved us. It's reciprocated and I'm reciprocating this love. So the more I understand his love for me, the more I can love those people in my life. And I can love my wife, I can love my kids, I can love my mother, I can love my father, I can love my in-laws. I, it, these are important relationships. The second thing here to notice is that, that he didn't just leave it at the family relationship. He's telling us that we need to learn how to love in God's family. Learn how to love in God's family. In other words, treat other believers as family. Uh, you know, I, I often hear believers tripping on other believers all the time. Believers shooting their own wounded uh, that, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to come in and, and treat them like family. I, as I look through this and I see, he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your, your mother. And he's saying this to John. I'm saying, where's Jesus' brothers? Where's Joseph? Well, Joseph, we know. Joseph, he, uh, we see no more mention of Joseph after Jesus is 12 years old. And most scholars believe that Joseph, likely, a few years after Jesus was 12, maybe that 13 to 15 zone, passed away. So Mary's now a widow. I want you to think of Mary at the cross. This isn't the young girl who's having the new baby. This is the woman with gray hair now. And she's standing there. She's a widow. She's weathered. Life has been hard. And she's been trying to keep up with her son. And now this. But her brothers, his, his brothers aren't there. So Jesus had four brothers. If you go and you read in John chapter 7, verse 5, I, we're going to call them his half-brothers. Because Jesus was born of a virgin. The other ones were not born of a virgin. Uh, you, you go there and you, you'll see that, that, that Mary and Joseph had relationships after Jesus was born. And there are four brothers that are mentioned there. One of them was James. And so, you know, when you think about it, wow, he had half-brothers. Well, where was his half-brothers? Let me share this with you. They did not believe he was the Messiah at this point. John chapter 7 verse 5 says that his brothers did not yet believe. At this point, they did not believe. Do you know how hard that would have been to grow up with Jesus as your brother? Think about it. You're, 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 you're having family game time. You know, and there's a, there's a fight that breaks out around five brothers, right? And you go to your mother. You say, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. And your mother's like, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't think that's what happened. You might blame another brother, but not that one. Do you realize how hard that would have been? And so they didn't believe he was the Messiah at this point. They're like... What is with our crazy brother? Why is he? I'll tell you when they believed it. After he rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, that was the game changer. So when Jesus rose from the dead, now they're like, whoa, he was right. No wonder we never saw him do anything wrong because he's God. He, he rose from the dead. As a matter of fact, his brother James, at this point, uh, on the cross. Now remember, they're on the cross. They're not believing him yet. They're not even present. The other disciples are, are in hiding. They are worried for their life. They're, they're a real, real, real courageous group. They're, they're hiding. 
And John is there, and the brothers, they're saying the same thing. They, they, don't, want to be, they don't want anybody to think that, that they really were part of that, and they didn't. But after the cross, these guys became believers. They became followers and said, man, this is so cool. He really is the Messiah. And then James, as a matter of fact, James becomes the leader of the church at Jerusalem. So if you want to deal with some doubts, you go in, you deal with the, the guy who said, I grew up with him, and I didn't really believe it until he came back to life. But that's the litmus test, folks. That's how we know things are, are wrong, because this Jesus, this is not some story. This man rose from the grave, and it is life-changing. And I love to talk about the fact that our God is alive, and that is the game-changer. Um, the, the resurrection would make anybody a believer, and I think that's why you're here this morning, because you believe. Because you're saying, man, this man rose from the dead. I'm going to trust. Some of you are in doubt. Some of you are questioning. And I want to tell you, keep coming on the journey. Because once you understand this, once you, once you start to catch this, once you have an encounter with the risen Lord, your life is going to be radically different. It's going to be so cool. And we're going to let God deal with that. It's so cool. Um, after the resurrection, they believed. Uh, Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those in the family of faith. We've, we're to treat the family of God, those that are fellow believers, we're to treat them as family. That's a command there. Uh, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. When Jesus was asked about who his family is, and they were, they, there, there was a situation that came up, and that was his answer. Uh, if you follow Jesus, here's the bottom line. If you follow Jesus, we are family. Remember the, is it Sister Sludge, Sledge, I don't know. We are family. I got mother, sister, and me, right? That's the church. That's the church. One of these days, maybe we'll sing it in church. Wouldn't that be kind of radical? Maybe our new worship pastor, I'll have to have a few words with him. All right? If, if you are a follower of Jesus... We are a family, and we are instructed to treat each other. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I love watching what God does. I hear needs that need to be met, and it doesn't come to the church. Another believer goes and meets the need. Oh, that's so powerful, because that's biblical Christianity. That's what we see modeled in the book of Acts. Those people there, they were going out, and they were taking care of, of, the, of, the, of the body of Christ. Um, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully, as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Um, this is the dynamic. Paul's telling young Timothy here how to live in the church, and this is it. And so this is how, we, how we're to live. We are to care for everyone, but especially the family of God. And I want to challenge us as a, as a church family. As we are growing, we are growing. It's exciting. God is doing incredible things in this church right now. But the area that God's going to take us in is learning how to love like he did. And that means learning how to love people that you don't know very well, how to open up how to be, become friends, how to provide, how to, how to emotionally support other people, how to come along them and pay attention. And I want, as, if we could all model this, let's walk around our campus here on Sunday morning 
think about how can I pay attention to somebody else? Wouldn't that be really cool? If we just say, oh man, well there's somebody I don't know and you just reach out and say, hi, I I don't believe we've met. And and they'll be thrilled to hear from you. And and all you do is, you you don't even have to shake their hand because it's flu season, right? You don't have to shake anybody's hand. You say, hi, I'm, I'm Ken, very nice to meet you, glad you're here today. And, 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 you, and they may say, well, I've been here for three months. You say, oh, that's so cool, I, I'm glad I finally got to meet you. And people are thrilled with that because, because it's a family. You see, that just doesn't happen. When I go to Giant Eagle, people don't come up to me and introduce themselves. I go introduce myself at Giant Eagle. The delusional pastor, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, you, you see, this is, there's a dynamic that happens here that the world is dying for. And as we begin to model this love, it will transform our community. I'll never have to put a sign out on the road ever again if we could get to this love. You know why? People will find us because they'll hear about the way we love and the way that we care for each other. Jesus said, this is how they'll know you're my disciples. If you, sing, if you sing three songs and then sit down for the offering. No, that's not what he said. He says, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love one for another. That's pretty powerful. I'm excited about what God is doing, but it's because this is who it's from. Jesus modeled it. Behold your son. Son, behold your mother. It, it's a model of how we are to take care of our personal family and a model how we're to care for each other in the body of Christ. And that model there is explosive. What if we got excited? What if we really took this seriously and we went out and we started seeing in our life groups, we invite a widow to our life group. We say, wow, we, wanna, we want them to feel part of our community or a widower. Uh, somebody within the family of God. Or, or how about if, if we went and we saw some single parents in our church? You know, there are, there are several single parents in our church. To me, they are the unsung heroes. They are trying to work it. They're trying to pull it together. They have an extremely hard time. And, and what if you stepped up and made a meal for a single mom once a week? And you just said, I'm praying for you. I know it's tough, but here's what I can do. Do you know what would happen? Do, do, do you know that that's, th- these people, w- it would be transformational. And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to take this from being lofty stuff that I know about God and to live it. And that's what the early church did. The early church took this loftiness and they lived it. And I, and I, and I went out and, and you just see this transformation happen. And, and so love everyone, especially those in the family of God. So we start with the family of God and then we love everyone. Man, I, I hear great stories about you all out there. Uh, one person told me the other day that they paid for somebody else's meal. That's so cool. I've been out and I've seen you pay for other meals. It's, it's, it's just awesome. Um, and, and when you do those type of things, it's just like, wow, you don't have to do that. that, that this is love in action. It's like, wow, you're sitting on the other side of the restaurant. Uh, how about just try, try doing that someday randomly to somebody that you don't know? Just, hey, you see that? I, I see this lady over there. She's got three kids. Just here. And here, here's a tip on top of that. Just take care of her. I see the generosity of God's people all over the place. It's, it's incredible. And if we go out, we start to do that. We care for the family of God. We care for others. And it will transform. This word on the cross, 
was a life transformational word of love. Jesus loved us in his pain. He was, if I were in pain, the last thing I'm going to be thinking about is somebody else. He's on the cross. His hands are nailed. He loved us in his pain and, and he loves us in his time of need. And, and so that's the way we're supposed to love in, in our time of pain and our time of need. As, as I close this morning, Jerome, one of the church fathers, he, he wrote down a, uh, in his commentary on the book of Galatians, he wrote down a, a little bit about the apostle John. John, after, after the cross, took care of Mary for 12 years. And then she died. And then John continues on, and he lives to like early 90s. And he was, a, he was a great preacher. He could get up and he, he would preach weekly. Could you imagine having the Apostle John as your pastor? How cool would that be? I'd be going there. That'd be like, wow, this is a cool church. And as he got older, um, they said that it was at the point where, and Jerome records for us, he says that, that it was at the point where he couldn't really walk anymore, kind of like Billy Graham, you know? And uh, what, what a powerful thing. I want to encourage you, watch some of the things you're going to hear about him this week. It's a pretty powerful guy. But here, here was John, they wheeled him in. They would carry him in on a stretcher and they would sit him up front and this was his sermon. Little children, love one another. Amen. And then they would take him out. And uh, many people told me I need to learn from his preaching style. <laughs> the local restaurants will appreciate it, right? Um, little children, love one another. And he would lie down on his back and they would carry him back out. And then they would do this for like a series of weeks. He just kept coming in towards the end of his life. And they said, why is it that that's your only message? Little children love one another. And the Apostle John replies, because it is enough. It is the Lord's command. And if this alone be done, it is enough. I want to challenge you to love one another. It's bound prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, you realize that John and Mary took a big risk by being at the foot of the cross, but they would have missed a huge blessing had they stayed away. And this morning, you're dealing with pain, you're dealing with problems, you're dealing with needs. The greatest place to find all the answers that you're looking for is at the foot of the cross. And that's my invitation to you this morning is, will you come to the foot of the cross? Just right in your seat, come to the foot of the cross. Just trust him this morning. He died on the cross. The greatest part is he didn't stay dead. He is the resurrected Lord. That's why James went out radically, became a leader in the church. That's why these apostles went out and they died. Many of the martyrs' death because they saw the risen Lord. And that is transformational to you this morning. So I ask you to just be at the foot of the cross this morning and call on him. Invite him into your life right now. Just talk to God, something like this. God, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin and this morning, Lord, I've got the word of love. And Lord, thank you for loving me like that. Thank you that you died on the cross and you came back to life again. And I invite you into my life right now. I want to trust you. Once for all.
forever. Maybe other people in this room, you need to go to the Lord and maybe you've been following Christ for some time but your love focus is, needs to be refocused on the cross. Maybe you've been trying in your own power to love others and you just realized this morning you can't do this. You, you need him to do it. May I invite you to the foot of the cross to gain power, to gain strength, to gain peace. Lord, be with your people as they respond to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the way that you love us, how you love us. Thank you for the way you have made us. We were created for your pleasure, for your presence, for the glory of your name. Thank you for the way that you love us. We're so glad that you could come out and worship with us this morning. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again next Sunday.